0: Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveller podcast, part of the Informed Traveller radio show heard on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveller. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. You know, one of my favourite kind of vacation is taking a cruise. And I have to admit, I'm a bit biased since I worked on a cruise ship for about three years. So we're going to talk about the cruise industry with David Yeskel, known as the Cruise Guru. Always enjoy chatting with David about cruising, so we'll get an update on some of the things going on since the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control in the U.S., lifted their no-sale order a while back. So we got that for you coming up a little bit later in the podcast. Plus, after a year of non-service this summer, the Rocky Mountaineer is looking ahead to next year where they're expanding into the U.S. with a new route, so we'll find out more about that as well. But we're going to start things out talking about a series of children's books called Violet the Pilot, designed not only to inspire young children to learn to read, but also to learn about traveling to other places. The author is Bettina Bay, the former commercial pilot herself. And Bettina joins us now to tell us more about Violet the Pilot. Her website, by the way, is violetthepilot.com. Hi, Bettina.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm fine. Tell me the story of Violet the Pilot, uh, who she is and how she came about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, she's not only cute as a button, but uh, my daughter had a friend named Violet that she kept calling Pilot. And I said, um, hmm, Mum's the pilot, but that's Violet. And I thought, maybe I'm onto something here. I give talks in schools and at Brownies, and I felt a series of aviation books for boys and girls would be appropriate. And that's how the name was born.
0: And how many books are there? There
1: are four in total. And we've made the books actually into a couple of uh, live theatrical shows in Ontario, Toronto, and Ottawa.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so now, obviously, Violet is a pilot. You used to be a pilot. There's a connection there. <laughs> so you, you, you kind of have a little bit of expertise uh, on the topic.
1: A tiny little bit, yeah. Yeah. So the four books take place in Canada, France, Hawaii, and the Arctic. And I've been to all of them. So it was nice to uh, bring the you know, the fun travels that I've had with my children to life. Mm -hmm.
0: So what does Violet do? She obviously visits different things uh, and and different uh, uh, cultures.
1: Exactly. So in each book, she flies a different type of aircraft. Uh, So, for example, a float plane or a helicopter or a ski plane. And um, she does a different adventure And she encounters children of the country, and she has the food of the country and a little bit of the language. So it's a little bit of geography, history, culture.
0: And I imagine there's a number of different benefits uh, for children with these books, not just for the sake of reading in general, but to get them interested in exploring and learning about other places, I would think.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, You know, for example, in Hawaii, there's the helicopter, and she um, goes to a luau, and she gets to... Uh, rescue a humpback baby whale so that was exciting
0: and give me some other examples Uh, in france for example
1: sure yeah in france she flies a hot air balloon and she encounters a snail by the name of um margot the escargot (laughs) and the uh the kids simone and pierre get to go on a bike ride and have a picnic and so they learn about the hot air balloon or they learn about the helicopter or about the float plane in kenora ontario or about the ski plane and what happens in the Arctic. Mm -hmm. So they're fun adventure books.
0: And they're aimed at what age groups?
1: They are for boys and girls ages 2 to 8.
0: And who does the illustrations for you?
1: I have hired a lady, and her name is Barbara Fortin.
0: Now, obviously, Christmas is coming. This would be a uh, a perfect time to collect some uh, reading for your children uh, under the Christmas tree, right?
1: Perfect, yes. With the the holidays approaching, it's... uh, It's nice to have a local author. I'm in Calgary, and I sign all my books.
0: Now, where can you get them?
1: You can get them at Violet the Pilot, or people can contact me there. And um, if they are locally in Calgary, I am more than willing to drop off the books. Or they can pick them up. I'm pretty central. I'm right in Calgary. I am self-published, so I've done everything myself. The best place is VioletThePilot.com, where you will get, uh, I guaranteed, my, my signature in Perfect. each
0: book. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Where is Violet the Pilot going next? Any uh, future travels?
1: Oh, hopefully Australia or somewhere warmer. <laughs> <laughs> We shall see. I'm, I'm trying to make them into a TV series and a movie. Uh, we do have a song. We do have merchandise. But I would love to bring this live to uh, at the TV screen.
0: Bettina Bathe is a retired commercial pilot and author of the series of books, Violet the Pilot. Again, you can uh, find them, order them on her website, uh, website, violetthepilot.com. It was a pleasure chatting with you, Bettina.
1: Pleasure, too. Thank you kindly.
0: Well, one industry, like many, that has taken a huge hit from the COVID pandemic has been the cruise industry. But they are looking to get back into operation, hopefully by the spring of next year. So to give us an update on some of the things going on since the CDC in the U.S. lifted their no-sale order a while back is David Yeskel. He's known as the Cruise Guru. You can follow him on Twitter, at Cruise Guru. And David joins us now. Hi, David. Hi, Randy. It's been a few months since we talked about the cruise industry. Um, In some sense... Um, not much has changed, but in other ways, lots of lots of things have changed. Uh, most most recently, I guess uh, the CDC announcing that they're lifting the uh, cruise ban, but that comes with all kinds of restrictions, doesn't it?
2: Right, right, it does. So they lifted the no sail order on October 31st and immediately replaced it with a call with a the document they call "Framework for Conditional Sailing." So that's 40 pages and I can tell you I read it it's not exactly light bedtime reading <laughs> but but it lays out it lays out a pathway for the cruise lines to follow so that they can certify their ships and get them operating again with health and safety protocols you know that mitigate mitigate risk while promoting safe travel so so these are um, a lot of hoops that the cruise lines are going to have to jump through but but and, it, and it's a multi, multi-month multi process, but they've got a path forward now, at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that stuck out for me is that they have to give a 60-day notice um, for their uh, sale date.
2: Right, right. So, so they have to give the 60-day notice, but they've got more than si- at least 60 days worth of work to do in between. So it, it's really two phases, Randy. The first phase involves around getting their crew back on board. And each cruise line will probably start with just maybe a couple of ships. You know, it takes a while to get the crew back. They were mm-hmm. repatriated earlier this year. And, and and start testing them and make sure they can keep them healthy and build onboard lab capacity. And meanwhile, training the crew in all these new protocols, safe distancing, masking, uh, dining operations have changed, right? They're going to have fewer people on board to start with. And forget about self-service buffets, you know, we're done with those. So they're going to have to relearn or learn all these new health and safety protocols to get ready for passengers. Mm -hmm. And during this phase, they're going to have to keep detailed records, of course, prove to the CDC that they can keep their crew healthy. And then phase two would be to start what they call simulated voyages, and that is bring on volunteers to act as guests and run through the same set of protocols while doing – you know, essentially simulated voyages. And only then, only after they've certified that all this is safe, that they can keep everybody healthy over the period of, you know, a month or two, will the CDC certify that ship, only that ship, to go into resume service with with, with with paying passengers, so it's the CDC will authorize this on a ship by ship basis, not the whole fleet at a time.
0: Hmm, interesting. Uh, speaking of volunteers, uh, Royal Caribbean announced a volunteer at sea's program. No shortage of volunteers, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They got a hundred thousand requests, and I think in three days. So uh, yeah, they they haven't said how they're going to choose those volunteers, and and uh, so far I think Royal Caribbean is the only cruise line who has asked for volunteers among their past guests. But some other lines may use their uh, shoreside employees, you know, as, as volunteers. But um, we'll see how they choose these people, of course, and, mm. and how many get chosen. But uh, there are ways off from starting that phase. And like I said, this first phase, just getting the crew back on some ships, start testing, running through the no protocols, is going to take a while. And, and frankly, it should, because they've got to prove that they can do mm. this safely.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess people are looking for free cruise out of this for
2: and it looks like and it looks like the initial cruises, Randy, the initial sailings from US ports will be short sailing mm-hmm. to the cruise line's private islands. So on their private islands in the Caribbean, as you know, they can control the experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially moving the cruise line bubble ashore into another bubble that the cruise line controls. There are no outsiders, there are no locals. And so these are going to be the first few voyages we see it will be short voyages that operate to the private islands. Um, it, it's a safer, frankly, way to go. And and it, it allows the cruise industry, to, the, the cruise lines, to stay in better control of the environment.
0: And anybody who's been on a cruise knows those private islands are, are pretty nice. Oh, they're great. No problem they're stopping there. Uh, so, I, so I guess all this goes hand-in-hand in, hand in some of the announcements of the cruise lines delaying their um, restart and relaunching, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So pretty much there's there's nothing on the, on the schedule for 2020, uh, and that is from U.S. ports, of course. And um, some of them are delaying even into the spring. I don't think we're going to see revenue-based sailings, you know, actual sailings opened up to paid passengers uh, until... Probably March, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say sometime in the spring, we'll probably see the first few start up. And, you know, all these protocols, Randy, all these, uh, the the, the CDC rules, um, just, we have to remember these are interim steps. You know, when there's a widely available vaccine and the majority of the population starts to get vaccinated, I think we're going to see some of these interim pieces, interim steps lifted, Mm -hmm. and, you know, things will start to return to normal. So the CDC's framework is slated to last for a year, but they could lift that at any time, you know, depending on the the circumstances, of course. So, So I think the next few months are going to be on, you know, testing, testing, and reviewing these and running these simulated voyages. And then, um, you know, hopefully by the spring, we'll see some the U.S. ports open as well as some sailings. Mm-hmm. And, and then the hope is that the Canadian ports will open in time for summer, you know, to facilitate cruises to Alaska and yeah. the maritimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Europe? Whatever happened to the MSC Grandiosa? There was, you know, when it uh, set sail back in September, there was all kinds of fanfare. I haven't heard much. Is it still sailing?
3: Yeah, so so
2: actually um MSC had two ships sailing, the Grandiosa and the Magnifica. And so they've been sailing for a couple of months along with Costa Cruises ships, a couple of ships from Costa. So just sailing from Italy, mostly with Italian passengers mm-hmm. um and with, you know, with, with not many uh, incidents frankly. So They've been sailing fairly free of major incidents, and so they kind of helped set the template that other cruise lines are going to follow. So since then, um, the MSC has pulled back. Uh, they only have one ship sailing, the, the Grandiosa. Um, they pulled back the Magnifica for now just because of the the, the testing and the, the virus outbreaks in, in Europe. But um, they're still going with the one ship, uh, Costa with a couple of ships, and so – they've got it down pretty much, uh, and you know they, they set the template for other cruise lines to follow around the world. So, so those ships in Europe have started up. Aida Cruises for German passengers started some sailings. They pulled those back also because of the virus surge. So we, we've seen fits and starts, um, but I think we'll see more, of course, um, in, in the spring as we will from, hopefully, from U.S. ports.
0: I guess no news is good news in the case of uh, MSC, right? No one's talking yeah. about them. <laughs> that means nothing's no, no going one's talking on. About
2: them. Exactly right. No one's talking about them, and they've been proceeding slowly and carefully with largely, largely the same set of protocols that the CDC has issued.
0: Uh, anything I missed in the cruise world?
2: No, not really. So um, that's where it stands. You know, they're, uh, the cruise lines are uh, running short of cash, of course. Yes. Uh, so as you may have heard at, at, uh, in, in the spring, all three major cruise companies, Carnival Corp, Royal Caribbean Group, and Norwegian Cruise Lines Holdings, all were able to raise funding in the private markets, uh, essentially enabling them to go for a year without any operational revenue. So that was a pretty amazing thing. But they're now eight to nine months into that mm-hmm. year. Uh, and so um, they need to get going in 2021. And hopefully for them, it'll be safe. But but the, the another another silver lining is um, future bookings have been strong. Yeah, people are booking into 2021, even deep into 2022. There's a, a pent up demand, and, and as you know, frequent cruisers are loyal. They, they are very loyal. They want to get back on the board ships as soon as it's safe to do so, and, and they can't wait to. So, so that's been I, I'd say the one silver lining for for the cruise industry, is that future bookings are strong, and um, they hope to have all those realized.
0: David Yeskel is the cruise guru. You can find him on Twitter at cruise guru. He's also the Vegas guru. We'll let's talk talk about Vegas uh, down the road when things get uh, when well when things get better. Sure, <laughs> Randy. Sure. Always a pleasure to chat, David. Thank you. Thank you. Same here, Randy. Thank you. Well, after a year of non-service this summer, the Rocky Mountaineer is looking ahead to next year where they are expanding into the U.S. with a new route. So to tell us more about it, we're very pleased to have Steve Stammett join us. He is the president and CEO of the Rocky Mountaineer. Their website is rockymountaineer.com. Hi, Steve. Hey, Randy. Before we get into this new route that I'm very excited about, uh, Rockies to the Red Rocks Tour, let's uh, talk about uh, the summer a little bit and uh, just how the uh, COVID pandemic has affected the Rocky Mountaineer overall. I know you guys didn't run this summer, but uh, maybe just give us uh, a lowdown on how the summer was for you.
3: Yeah, well, It was a tough one, Randy. We, uh, As you said, we didn't run. We, we held out hope. We were basically suspending month by month hoping that uh, things would clear up and allow us to run, which is what we do best, but that never did occur, so uh, it was tough, you know we had to really batten down the hatches uh, unfortunately it had it impacted a lot of our team members. we had to we didn't have any work for our our seasonal workforce about five hundred people and had to lay off uh, close to half of our full-time staff permanently so uh, you know, a lot of a lot of hard work by the team, but we're you know we're we're a tough bunch, and we're, we're really looking forward to getting the other side of this.
0: Well, let's look ahead to 2021. You do have a new uh, route that we're going to talk about, Rockies to the Red Rocks Tour. Uh, tell me, I, I, I'm looking on your website, by the way, rockymountaineer.com. Uh It starts in Denver. It, it
3: does. That's right. It either starts or ends in Denver, and it will be a new route. Uh, we, we had this in the works, actually, pre-COVID. Uh, put it aside, of course, trying to deal with the crisis at, at first and then decided it was probably in our best interest to get this thing going for, for 2021, given what's going on. And the fact that we don't know if borders will be open or not, and it would be good to have uh, a route available to our biggest guest market, which is the U.S. So so this route will, will start or end in Denver. Uh, it'll be a two-day route. Uh, it'll go through Glenwood Springs, which is also in Colorado. And then, uh, again, the other end of the route will be in Moab, Utah. So, yeah, really, really scenic route. It's got a lot of different uh, a different offerings in terms of the landscapes you go through. You're traveling through the Rocky Mountains on one end, and, you know, there's those great uh, mountain ranges and everything else in, in Colorado. And then you get to the other end, you got the great redstone uh, um, canyons, and, and just uh, it's a really,
0: really, really Picturesque route which we think will fit
3: well with our existing portfolio.
0: Well, let's talk about the onboard experience, what it's like for, for, for people who haven't experienced it. I've, I've, I've done it. It's an absolutely amazing uh, two, three days, depending on the package that you do. This one was two days, but it's uh, truly amazing. The thing I love about it, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> That's
3: it. Exactly, Randy. You've you, you got it right on. We just want you to show up and, and relax. Or our team takes care of the rest. So you'll be traveling onboard. Uh, our specialized equipment. In this case, we'll be using single-level dome cars. Really spacious, custom-designed, uh, oversized windows and plenty of personal space. You know, the train, of course, is traveling during the day because our guests are staying at a hotel in on the, on the midpoint in Glenwood Springs, so our guests don't miss a, a moment of the passing scenery, which is really fantastic. And then you know this. We have a team of onboard hosts who are providing seat-side food and beverage service and they're, they're storytelling along the way. So you're learning about the history, mm-hmm. uh, the geology, the communities, you know the people, the wildlife, all those things along the way, you're getting a, a really good um, knowledge on from, the, from, our, from our team, which is doing it. Just a great job. So yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful way to travel, and it's a great way to see a, a, just a gorgeous area of the world.
0: Uh, one thing I found ironic when we did the uh, Rocky Mountain uh, or the tour through the Rocky Mountains it was a, a guy from Aust- no, I think it was from Scotland actually telling us about Canadian histories. <laughs> Getting a history yeah. lesson from someone that wasn't born in our country was kind of fun, but yeah. but you're you know, right, you we, do we, learn a lot a lot along, along the way.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of our guests are quite passionate, so they come they come pre informed to some extent, Randy. That happens.
0: <laughs> I, I know, I I kind of simplified everything. Like I don't really have to do anything, but the meal service is amazing. Um you do have a choice of meals. Uh, tell us about the different uh, types of services.
3: Yeah, so so we will be again offering basically this uh the service we'll be offering is in our single level coaches and similar to what we run in Canada. Uh, it'll feature these regionally inspired dishes, which are going to really showcase the ingredients and flavors of the Southwest U.S. So, so whereas you know in Canada we're, we're, we've always featured the Canadian West uh, foods, uh, here we're going to go with the region again. And so you'll be getting that, that, that meal service at your seats, uh, beverages, everything else, and our team just does a really great job of of, of giving you the best taste of the region.
0: And you could also uh, go outdoors, kind of, and, and if you want to, are, are you still yeah. available to do that?
3: These single level cars are. I mean, it's interesting we have a lot these service tours which we do have in Canada, and which we offer, and they've got those great vestibules on the back. These single level cars uh, have got a, something much smaller at the back, so really don't feature that same that same uh, outdoor vestibule that we have on that, that, those bi-level domes. The reason we're not really running bi-level domes on this road is there's actually tunnels along the way that they won't fit through. But again, the single level domes, uh, they're they're fantastic. They really are. Our guest rating scores are just as high in them as they are on the the gold leaf domes we've got those wonderful windows and lots of space and i think uh i think people are going to enjoy it mm-hmm.
0: how many people can you uh, take on board at a time
3: well i mean we've got uh we have a number of cars that's been one of the interesting things with covid when we were initially planning out this route we thought we'd have to buy a whole new train center on there but of course with demand dropping off in canada right now it gives us a great opportunity to experiment with our existing equipment so Our initial plan is to run uh, six Silverleaf cars down there, Randy. So those cars, you know, they can fit up to 50 people on board, so we'll be able to carry about 300 people per trip. Now, if the demand is is strong enough, you know, we might actually move uh, a few more cars down. We do have a fleet of 18. Uh, and uh, silver leaf cars, and we've also got 26 gold leaf domes in the fleet at this point. So, depending on demand, we might actually move uh, move a few more silver leaf cars down there to meet that demand. Mm-hmm.
0: And you can add on uh, overnight stays uh, if you want to stay a few days in Denver or Moab, or even go to Las Vegas or uh, other places, can't you?
3: That's right, exactly. So basically, we offer everything from that two day basic journey running between Denver and Moab with an overnight in Glenwood Springs, but then we've got other other uh, local hotels and tour operators uh, that we're working with to create these custom vacation packages. And so you can get tours and activities, as you said, stays in Denver, Moab, and really get a chance to experience even more of the region by buying one of these packages.
0: Uh, Tell me the hotels you've partnered with uh, in Denver, Moab, and and some of the other hotels. Well, we're
3: still working through a lot of that. I mean, one of the great ones we're working with in, in Denver right now is actually right down at the station. Um, They've really done a great job on Union Station in Denver, and there's a hotel right above that, which, uh, which we're working with right now, because it's just a great place to stay. I actually stayed there last year when I was... Experiencing the, the going down to do some some due diligence myself, but it'll really be a a, a variety of the different hotels working through some of the details right now. But uh, basically, you know, as as always, some of the best
0: ones in the region, most comfortable ones. Well, you're right too. That Union Station in Denver is really a fabulous place and centrally located. So if you're spending a couple of days and that's your your place to stay, uh, it's a good spot.
3: Yeah, and Denver's really become a it's a really uh, wonderful city to visit. Lots going on there, and it's uh, seen a tremendous amount of growth over the,
0: the last couple of decades. Uh, anything that I've missed? What about some of the other routes? Anything new uh, added uh, this year? You know, uh, I mean, basically we're always mixing things up at the ready and our
3: existing routes, and we'll be you know tweaking the menus and, and working through. I think the, the biggest change is really all about health and safety and, and just making sure that we are operating in, in the best way possible. So we've, uh, we've enhanced our, our air filtration system. So that at this point, they're filtering out 99.9% of any harmful particles in the air. We're, uh, we've also added electrostatic um, disinfected fogging. So at the end of every trip, we're spraying down the surfaces in case there's any virus or bacteria uh, there it, it, uh, to kill that. And just really revamping the way we do everything in terms of our, our food and beverage service and the PPE and e equipment that our teams are using on board, you know, uh making sure that when our guests come back, everybody, them and our, our employees, uh, have got the, the best possible uh, safety and, and health that we can offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Samet is the president and CEO of the Rocky Mountaineer. You can check out uh, their website, rockymountaineer.com. Uh, here's to a uh, good 2021, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Freddie. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.